Do the people you work with know that you are a Christian? Or could it be you are ashamed that you're a Christian? Well, I want to read to you today from Colossians. Uh, we continue in our studies in Colossians, and today it is chapter 3. And um, last week we dealt with the issue of family, uh, wives submitting to husbands, husbands loving wives. Uh, but in verse 22, Colossians chapter 3, Paul uh, keep, keeps the same theme in a way. It shows certain principles, structures uh, that we are to adhere to, uh, to show that we know the Lord and that we honor him. Here's what he says. Bond servants, as one translation puts it, or slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do heartily, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. And then he says, you are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. And now into chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your servants, your slaves, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Well, may God be pleased to bless the reading and the teaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Holy Spirit, that the blood of Jesus will fall upon every mind in order that their perception of what I say today will be heard as you intend. Uh, cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be clear, simple, May this be life-changing and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul, the apostle, moves from the subject of marriage and the family to Christians in the workplace. Uh, Paul has dealt with what we often refer to as the nuclear family. That's husband, wife, mother, father, children, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, the nuclear family. He's already dealt with this, and that would refer to our Christian witness at home. You see, children grow up remembering how things were at home. And if we as parents are faithful, uh, our children will never forget this. And they grow up knowing that they had this wonderful background. Uh, you know, it's interesting and it's sad that the church is losing so many young people today. It, it's, it's terrible. I don't know what all the reasons are, but it could in part deal with the way we are brought up in the home and whether children recall that they had parents who loved the Lord and instilled certain principles in them. Well, last week, our Christian witness at home. But today, the issue is what, as the Christian family outside uh, the church, when we go to work on Monday to Friday, uh, 
what would be our witness? That's, that's the question today. Um, today the issue is, where are we in the secular world? Well, he addresses now slaves. Now this is a problem for some. Why it was that there was slavery in the Bible, and the Apostle Paul uh, doesn't really condemn it. Uh, I don't have time to go into that particular issue, but the point I do want to make, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26, uh, verse 26, Paul says, you see your calling, not many mighty, not many noble, that means not many high-powered people are in the church, some but not many. Uh, you don't see many from the royal family, aristocracy, uh, some but not many. Uh, he says, ordinary people, and it just happened that in the earliest church, slaves came to the Lord. Uh, it's just something that happened. Now, some would laugh at Christianity for that reason. Say, well, look at the type of people that are attracted. The truth is, this was by God's design. So we would realize those around us are not going to be the prestigious people that we could name drop with and say, guess who comes to our church? Uh, I know sometimes this happens, and people will take advantage if a celebrity uh, becomes a Christian. Uh, I don't think we should do that. I think all should be treated the same. Well, here's the question I want to ask. What kind of a worker are you? What kind of an employee? Uh, I don't think I'm speaking to any slaves right now. I don't think so. Uh, but though you're not slaves, you have a boss, you have a manager, there is an owner, and you work for that person. And uh, maybe they treat you as a slave. If they do, uh, we have something to say about them, especially if they're Christians. If they're not Christians, not anything you can do about it at the moment. But you are a Christian, and hopefully it is known that you are a Christian. Um, do you know what it is said? The saddest time of the week. Do you know when is the saddest time of the week? Sunday night. Sunday night when people think, oh no, tomorrow I've got to go to work. And maybe you're one of those, you're not happy with your job or you're not happy with your boss, your manager, and you dread going back. Well, this sermon is for you. Uh, and I hope that this will be a blessing to you. Uh, now, there are two extremes when it comes to witness at work. Uh, one is the person who uh, tries to convert everybody. And all he does at work, he gives out tracts. He lets everybody know they need to be saved. They're going to go to hell if they die uh, as they are. They can go to heaven if they come to Christ. And you do this so much that, sadly, you become obnoxious. And you do not help the Christian witness. Well, that's one extreme. Then there's the other extreme. People who say, I don't believe I should say anything. I just witness by my life. And you, they, they don't know you're Christians, but you think that your life will cause them to see that you're, you're a Christian. Here's a funny story. Arthur Blessed uh, told this story to me. He said there was this lady in California who had, had the view that you don't tell people you're Christians. You just let your life show, and they will see. Well, there was this lady who never let anybody know she was a Christian, and she says, I witness with my life. 
For 13 years she did this, but one day someone came up to her and said, you know, I've been watching you. You're different. What is it about you? And the lady in her heart was saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's paid off. It has worked. <laughs> the person said to her, are you a vegetarian? <laughs> that, that to me is so funny. Well, you see, you do want people to know that you're a Christian. You don't need to be obnoxious about it. But don't be ashamed. Uh, the, time may, the time may come when they will turn to you. And your life must show. You must be different. They must see something in you that will make them want to be a Christian. And so there are these two extremes. I want to say it is important that they know. There's a way to tell it without being obnoxious. Well, now Paul addresses slaves. Uh, that simply refers to the fact that uh, you want to do a good job as a, an employee uh, for your boss, for your manager. Uh, it's a good testimony. It's a good way to witness for the Lord. Uh, years ago, I happened to be uh, in the Soviet Union uh, there as an invitation just to reach certain churches. But I picked up something. It was well known that in the days of the Soviet Union, the communists, those in power, admired Christians for this reason. They say the Christian will do a good day's work. The Christian never steals, never robs, never takes things home that are uh, not his. And there's just something about them. It made them think more of Christians because they were such good workers. Well, now that's the point that I want to make today. Uh, Paul is saying that if you work uh, for a slave, uh, sorry, that you are a slave and you're working for a master and uh, they know you're a Christian, well, you have a chance to show that you are a better type of person than they may have expected you to be because you're unashamed of the Lord, you're honest, you're trustworthy, and you respect authority. Well, that's a good way to witness. Uh, but then he says, here's why you should do it. You do it fearing the Lord. That's the way Paul puts it. You do this fearing the Lord with sincerity of heart. You see, the heart. It's with the heart that we believe. The heart is the seat of personality. With the heart, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, but with the heart, we believe Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, it's the same heart that has made you be so aware how Jesus is alive and how real he is. That is the way you want to work. And from your heart, you're doing a good job. Uh, as he put it here, not just with eye service or people pleases, but you're doing it for the Lord. And that is why you will be so effective. He says you do this fearing the Lord. Well, now we have a, another thing that comes up. And I find this so interesting because Paul brings in a word that if you've been following us over the months, as we've been going through Colossians, he brings in this word inheritance. I want you to notice this. In verse 24, knowing 
that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Uh, we've said many times there are four words used in the New Testament. They can be used interchangeably. They all have their own meaning, but they're used interchangeably. Crown, prize, reward, inheritance. Now, every Christian is called to come into his or her inheritance. Some do, some don't. Uh, some Christians are just not impressed with the idea of inheritance or reward. Uh, they almost, I've heard some speak as though it's beneath them to have to do something for a reward. You see, this is the way God made us. We can't ignore that again and again, the Bible often, through uh, the Holy Spirit, speaks in terms of our own self-interest. For example, do you enjoy being judged? Well, Jesus says, do not judge and you won't be judged. Uh, when it comes to tithing, uh, in Malachi we're told, give the Lord what is His and you'll be blessed overflowing. Uh, in other words, God always promises something because of obedience. And you say, well, I don't need that. Well, <laughs> most of us do. We need something that will help us, especially when we're discouraged. Well, having said, you should be a good employee, a good worker, because you're fearing the Lord. But there may be times when you get a little bit discouraged and you think, is it worth it? Uh, why should I do this? And so he then adds this, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You see, God is noticing you. And one day, one day, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, give an account of the things done in the body. Uh, I've had people say to me, RT, I don't care whether I get a reward. I just want to make it to heaven. Well, I say you won't feel that way then. When you stand before God, it will be a scary day. And I cannot think of anything more wonderful than hearing from the lips of Jesus, well done. Not everybody will hear that. Don't think for a minute that everybody, just because they're saved, is going to get a well done. Not true. This is for those who have come into their inheritance. And you may recall, internal inheritance, that's when we listen to the Lord. We want to get close to Him. We want the witness of the Holy Spirit. We want to know that we are pleasing Him. That's your internal inheritance, where God reveals things to you. You have a relationship with God. Then you, there is your external inheritance, your job, whether you're a nurse, a doctor, a ph physician, uh, whether you're a lawyer, a lorry driver, whatever you do, that's your external inheritance. As you've heard me say, don't ask what is one's external inheritance. Ask what is your internal inheritance. Are you keeping your eyes on Jesus and following Him? The external will take care of itself. Now, let me point out something about inheritance in your background, uh, one's background. Uh, in the days of Israel, when the 12 tribes of Israel came into Canaan, each were given a parcel of land. Uh, 
the people from Judah, they were given a certain piece of land from Dan, from Asher, uh, Manasseh. And do you realize that none of them could choose where they were to live? Now, this may surprise you. This may disappoint you. But Psalm 47, verse 4 says, The Lord chose our inheritance for us. Now, that's interesting to know that God has a plan for your life. Don't ask, what is your external inheritance? Ask, am I following the Lord? And God will see to it how you live your life, where you are, kind of job you have. He will supply the need. He will do all these things. Now, you may be disappointed. Let's say uh, we were back in the days of when Israel first came into the land of Canaan. No one could choose where they wanted to live. They actually, they cast lots, would you believe? Which means it was out of their hands. God determined where the people of Asher would live, uh, Dan, uh, Judah, uh, and so forth. God did it. And they couldn't say, well, the people of Judah, you know, I don't like where we're supposed to live. Uh, Joshua, who is the one who determined this because of casting lots, would say, well, I'm sorry, this is where you're to live. The people of Dan, people of Asher, uh, we could go on and on. They couldn't choose where they were to live. God did that. Well, we must never forget Psalm 47, verse 4, the Lord chose our inheritance for us. Well, think of David. Do you realize what David said in Psalm 16? Now, this is very interesting to me. Here's what David said. The Lord is my chosen portion. Psalm 16, verse 5. Uh, you hold my lot. The times have fallen for me. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, this is David. Now, let's be careful. We could be cynical and say, well, I guess David would say, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. He's a king. He lives in a palace. Uh, he was the top person. Why wouldn't he say that? I answer, you and I may not be kings. We not, may not have been born to privilege. But I make a promise. If we will keep our eyes on Jesus and let him guide us, and he will determine our inheritance for us, I promise the day will come you would not trade places with anybody. When you find the Lord as the one who means everything in the world to you, you live to please him, you want to honor him, do you know what? He will give you an inheritance that will make you just as happy as any person with the highest kind of profile. I guarantee it. When we get to heaven, it will not matter whether you are king, aristocratic, or slave, whatever. If you have pleased the Lord and honored Him, that is where it matters. And that is determined by this kind of teaching. It may surprise you, but you see, He's saying to slaves, you may have a, an owner that is rude to you. He's cruel, but you 
obey him. <laughs> That's what Paul said, obey him, because you're doing it for the Lord. And one day it will be worth it all. You know, this teaching takes me right back to my church years ago in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, I was pastor of the Lauderdale Banners Baptist Church. Six blocks away was the Mount Olivet Baptist Church. But that was made up entirely of black members. And I got to know the pastor. And I invited him one day uh, to bring his congregation to our church. And I wanted him to do the preaching. And he'd bring his choir and they would do the singing. And it was a wonderful, wonderful day. Um, it turns out that some of our people wouldn't come. They were racially prejudiced. And he said to me, there are some of our people that won't come because they were bitter against white people. But we did our best to bring the two together. And in the sermon, as he preached, aware of racial tensions all around, uh, that was in the era right after Martin Luther King was assassinated and black people were being anti-white like never before. And there was tension and there was hatred. And uh, these were hard days. Well, the pastor got up. And he made the point that many black people uh, had lost their interest in heaven. They wanted things on earth to be sorted out. And the pastor, I never will forget it as long as I live. He shouted out in the middle of his sermon, don't take heaven from me. You see, that is what caused the old black slaves back in the 19th century to want to be Christians. When you think of how some of them were treated in the cotton fields of Alabama and Mississippi, uh, the black people went to church, they sat in the gallery. Yes, the blacks all sat in galleries, but they picked up on one thing that they would hear from the pulpit, namely that one day we're going to go to heaven. You know, that appealed to them. They thought there must be something better than this. And they were told that one day you will go to heaven when God shall wipe away all tears from your eyes. There'll be no more death, pain, and the black people. That was when they began to come up with spirituals. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. All those spirituals. Uh, I'll fly away, old glory, I'll fly away. You see, that's why originally black people came into Christianity. It was because of heaven. But as the pastor that evening, as he spoke, he was afraid that black people were going to be more interested in things of this earth and forget about heaven. And that's why he said, don't take heaven from me. Well, what Paul is saying to slaves, he said, you do your best. You do it because you fear the Lord, knowing that you have an inheritance as your reward. And one day it will be worth it all. And I can promise you this. Here's a principle. Low profile here, high profile in heaven. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take a Christian who is a nobody, but he loves the Lord. Nobody even is aware of him. They don't see him, but in heaven, they know 
that that person wanted to do a good job at work. He may not have been treated fairly. It may have been horrible for him, but he prayed for his boss. He prayed for those around him. He forgave. He refused to be bitter. And here's the way Paul put it. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. You need to say this, that that person who is cruel to you, God notices that. And God will deal with that person. We're told there is no partiality. But then I must say also, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So don't try to get vengeance yourself. Don't say anything you shouldn't. Don't talk back. Uh, don't use language that's not good because it will kill your Christian testimony. But when you are serving the Lord, it will be noticed. There will be times when people come to you and say, I don't know how you did it. I have no idea how you kept up such a good testimony. But you're doing it for the Lord. And this is what I'm saying to you. You may have low profile here. Nobody knows you. Nobody knows about you. But the Lord is watching you. The Lord is watching you. And there are those around who have a high profile here. Uh, maybe they are the important people in the church. Maybe they're the ones that get all the good invitations. They're the ones that are well connected. And you feel like you're nothing. You see, God sees all of that. He sees all of that. Just wait. It will be worth waiting for. This is why Paul could say to the slave, you have a reward as your inheritance, and it will be worth it. And one day in heaven, you will be the one that God will show how proud he is of you. This is what Paul is teaching in these verses. So uh, are you being mistreated? Are you one of those that on Sunday night you say, oh, no, tomorrow I've got to go to work? What will keep you going? Well, you fear the Lord. You want to do everything from sincerity of heart where they can see that you are different. They know you're a Christian, but you are different. Sometimes it will win them. Sometimes they will come to you and say, I want to know what you have. Arthur Blessed told me this story. He was in Amman, Jordan, many years ago, and he, would, he was carrying the cross, which he did all over the world. He was in front of a Holiday Inn hotel uh, in Amman. He put his cross down, walked inside. He noticed that the place was heavily guarded, heavily guarded. He didn't know why, but he said, I was sweating in jeans and went downstairs to the bar and ordered a Coke. And he says, I always remember the Coke because the bartender put a cherry in it. And he says, I drank the Coke and then I got ready to pay the bill. And the bartender said, your bill is paid. He said, really? What happened? How come? And he pointed out at the end of the bar of the counter was an Arab sheikh. Well, Arthur went over to him and said, well, thank you for paying for my Coke. And the Arab sheikh looked at Arthur and said, I want what you've got. Arthur said, what do you mean? He said, I want what you've got. All these people, nobody's smiling. There's a glow on your face. 
There's a shine. What is it? I want what you've got. Well, Arthur said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I carry a cross around the world. That Arab sheikh turned out he was a high-powered oil man. The reason this place was being heavily guarded, that there was an OPEC conference. That Arab sheikh took Arthur to the top floor and got all the oil men quiet and said, I want you to listen to this man. In the meantime, Arthur had witnessed to him about Jesus dying on the cross, raising from the dead. The Arab sheikh prayed to receive the Lord. Upstairs, Arthur preached the gospel. Many came to the Lord upstairs, all because they just noticed something different. And I can tell you, if you are mistreated at work, you're passed over, others get a better job, others get a raise in pay, and you don't get it, and it hurts, but you're just doing it for the Lord. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see him. And so just remember this, vengeance is mine. He says the Lord notices. They will be paid back for the wrong they've done. No, don't you do it. Let God deal with that. Well, I ask you this. What kind of a Christian witness are you? You may not have realized that your witness at work can make all the difference because they can see. They know you're being mistreated. They know what they're doing. And you just turn the cheek. Hard to do. I'm not saying it will be easy. I'm not saying that on Sunday night you're going to look forward to going to work. No. But if you've got unhappy working conditions, you might see it as your thorn in the flesh. You know, the Apostle Paul had something given to him. He said, I was given this thorn in the flesh. It was painful. And uh, God says, uh, uh, I've done it for your good. And God uh, was behind it all. Paul knew that. He said, uh, God gave me this thorn in the flesh. I prayed three times for it to be removed. And the Lord said, my goodness will be before you. My presence will go with you. And God gave Paul just a greater anointing as a result. And this is the thing about a thorn in the flesh. You wonder why you would go through this. And unhappy living conditions and un unhappy work conditions, unhappy in unemployment, sorry, unhappy employment. Uh, you don't look forward to going to work, but you do it as to the Lord, because in the words of another old spiritual, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This is why you keep on going. There is a heaven. Don't look for utopia on earth. As a matter of fact, there's an interesting principle here that, you see, Christianity was never given to cause nations to become Christ-centered. <laughs> Rarely does anything like this happen. I mean, I know about the Holy Roman Empire uh, through the conversion of, of the emperor, yes, that did happen, as far as we know. There's some debate whether uh, it was the best thing for Christianity. But what we know is that Christians were not told to change a government. As a matter of fact, we read in 1 Peter 
chapter 2. Listen to these words. Uh, uh, chapter 3. He says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him uh, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that you, by doing good, will put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And then he says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, honor the emperor. And do you realize who the emperor was? It was Nero. He was an evil man. And yet they're not told you ought to change government. That's not what Christians do. You see, God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. And we know that we're saved by the blood of Jesus. And we know that what we have on earth, whether a good home, mediocre home, good car, not such a good car, great job, high prestige, or little. You see, God knows what we've all been through. And one day, one day, we will face him. Well, now that's the point. It's actually true with wives who have husbands that don't love them. They are to submit because they're doing it for the Lord, not to be doormats, but God knows how much they can go through. Husbands, love your wives. Maybe you have a wife that's not being very nice. You love her as Christ loved the church. Uh, children, obey your parents of the Lord. Uh, these are principles. And now he comes to this situation, your witness at work. One final word in verse 1 of chapter 4, Colossians, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Now that's assuming there were masters who were Christians. Uh, I don't understand all of this, how God could allow slavery. Uh, did you know that Philemon was a slave owner? A book in the Bible written to Philemon. It's called Philemon. He was a slave owner. We're not trying to figure out all these things, the things that are we don't understand. But one day God will make everything clear. And uh, he says, masters, he's addressing now those who may be slave owners or he's, he's addressing the owner of a business or manager. Uh, Treat those who work for you fairly and justly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. So if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, let me ask you this. Are those who work for you and under you do they see there's something different about you? And you may w lead them to the Lord because they see something different in you. Well, that's the point of this passage. Uh, we are to live lives that reflect the honor and glory of God. Uh, not everything in this world is perfect. Uh, there are questions we all have. I have so many questions. I could write a book entitled, Verses in the Bible, I don't understand. They ought to probably be a bestseller, but the trouble is there are verses I don't understand. One day, God will make everything clear. Everything will be made plain. Why he allows suffering, why he allows evil, God is in control. One day, God will clear his name. In the meantime, we're not to vindicate ourselves we're not trying to change government. We're wanting to change lives through conversion of the Holy Spirit and live a life 
that will cause people to want what you've got. In the meantime, don't be ashamed that you're a Christian. Don't be ashamed. Don't be obnoxious, but be the kind of person that will make others want what you have. May we pray. Heavenly Father, apply this word by your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.